Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you for the voice of Ryan Treasure. I never remember whether I said this is the future or the past, so I'm just going to go up in the air. The future of now. Welcome. Got an interesting show for you. We've been talking about AI for weeks and weeks and weeks on the show. The future of empathy in AI, the future of HR in AI, the future of lawyers in HI, the future of drones in AI, the futures of novelists in AI, of fiction horror genre in AI. One of my panelists might have been on that one. I'm not sure. And I will tell you that now we're going to talk about visual art. Everybody's talking about, oh, did a real artist paint that or draw that or sculpt that? Or was it AI? Well, we're going to be talking about that. And I'm going to show you some examples of AI art that I've generated later in the show. We'll talk about that. So I have a panel packed house and I'm going to start with my usual Tell me, I said to ChatGPT, my favorite research resource, tell me about the future of visual art and AI. And here was the response. AI, artificial intelligence, has become the increasingly popular tool in the field of art, with artists and technologists alike exploring the potential of machine learning algorithms to generate and manipulate, that's an important word, images, music, and other creative works. Examples of how AI and art intersect include generative art, style transfer, artistic collaboration, and art conservation. AI applications can assist visual artists in creating art, improving their workflow, and exploring new creative possibilities. Some of the popular ones are style transfer, neural doodle, I haven't tried that, deep dream, AI enhanced image editing, and AI assisted 3D modeling. And then I said to ChatGPT, tell me about Dali. Now it's not D-A-L-I, the famous artist, it's D-A-L-L underscore E. And the reason is that one of my panelists today, Sandy Davies is back with us, everyone. She created some art with Dolly, and I wanted to know what is Dolly? So Dolly is a state-of-the-art AI language model developed by OpenAI, which is behind ChatGPT as well, that can generate images from textual descriptions. The name Dolly, listen to this, is a combination of the artist Salvador Dolly and the Pixar character Wally, W-A-L-L underscore E. It's based on the same architecture as GPT-3. I won't go any farther into that. But I said to ChatGPT, and I love movie quotes. Ursula knows this. She's been on many times with me. Send me quotes about artists from fictional characters in real movies. And what's interesting is that ChatGPT started to make up quotes from fictional characters in fictional movies and not real fictional characters in real movies. And I had to ask three times, Morgan, it was the first time ChatGPT has ever tried to fool me with made up quotes, but I got the following. Okay, so I got uh, some real quotes from a movie, We Are Your Friends, 2015. Zac Efron, woo, plays Cole Carter. And the quote is, artists have to be selfish sometimes, right? Gotta do what you gotta do to create something special. Okay, that's interesting. I have a quote from uh, a character named Theo Decker, played by Ansel Elgort in The Goldfish, 2019. And here is the quote. I think uh, S.A. knows the movie because he was nodding. I don't want to be just a painter. I want to be Van Gogh. 
Okay, that's heavy. Then I have a quote from Severus Snape, played by Alan Rickman, of course, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, part two, 2011. And the quote is, the purpose of art is to provoke, to challenge, and to make people feel something they've never felt before. Interesting quote, right, Nikki? I like that one. And one more, a quote from A Star is Born with Bradley Cooper, the one with Lady Gaga, 2018. Not the one with, yes, Chris Christopherson and Streisand. That was interesting. Okay, I cried at that movie. Here's the quote. Every artist has their own unique voice. It's our duty to let it out and let it be heard. Interesting, the word there is unique, unique voice. How unique is AI? It depends on what you're telling it. So I have with me a packed house. As I said, Sandy Davies is back. Welcome, Sandy. And thank you for engaging most of my panel for me. I have somebody here I invited. And we have Ursula Wong. Speaking of whom, our, she's not an artist, but she's a novelist. And she uses covers of art on her books. So we'll talk about that. We have S.A. Grant. S.A., delighted to meet you. And I have to say, S.A. did one of the best promos for the show on LinkedIn this morning. And it was wonderful. And there's a lot of examples of AI art on it. So go take a look. We have Nikki Jurd. Hello, Nikki. Welcome. And Nikki and Sandy are at 1.07 a.m. in Australia. God bless you both. I appreciate you being here. And Morgan O'Donnell from New Mexico. Morgan, welcome. And I'm asking them for their take on the future of art and AI. What would Dolly, the real Dolly, Rembrandt, Picasso, the real Van Gogh, Matisse, and Pollock say. Welcome, welcome, welcome again. I'm Bonnie D in the house, and let's go around and get some real bios here. Sandy Davies, I did the math. I figured out you've been on the show about two or three times before. I'm guessing there are probably 12.379 people who don't remember you. Shame on them. So talk to those people and tell them. <laughs> I won't have a number for S.A. or for Nikki or for Morgan because you haven't been on. You're talking to everybody. Sandy, refresh our memory. What do you do? Take about two and a half minutes because we have a lot to talk about. Go ahead, Sandy. Yeah, well, good morning, everyone. I'm Sandy Davies. I'm coming to you today from Eastern Gugialandji country in Australia. But I was born and raised in Kansas landed in Australia after a couple of decades with a tourism business, I entered menopause and I wasn't prepared. It threw me into a completely new, unexpected realm and I am now a menopause advocate and a formulator and founder of a balm for treatment for one of the symptoms of menopause. And along with that journey, I've become an author, become involved with AI because I didn't like the way AI approached menopause. and. Just love being here to be a part of advocating for women and talking about AI with everybody today. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you, Sandy. And I have to tell you, I watched a Wanda Sykes one-woman comedy special last night, and she talks about that pause also. Uh, it's somewhere, I don't remember what part of the show. It was about an hour and a half or two hours, and I skimmed through it. But she mentioned it, and I thought, Sandy knows all about that. There we go. So thank you very much, and a welcome back to another return guest. It's Ursula Wong. Ursula, same 12 point, how many? 2.97 people who don't remember you. They're different than the ones who don't remember Sandy, because you run shows about novelists. So Ursula, refresh our memory. What have you been up to? Welcome back. Hi, Bonnie. It's great to be here. I write historical fiction and historical thrillers about um, Russia and Eastern Europe, in particular my ancestral Lithuania. I started all this with a collection of manuscripts I found among my uncle's possessions when he passed, and these were written by Lithuanians and Poles about their experiences in Eastern Europe during World War II. So 
after a career in the computer industry, I went back to the manuscripts and started researching English language material validating these manuscripts. And by that time, years had passed, and um, I started writing my own series of books called the Amber War series. Uh, and it begins with World War II, and it goes on to the um, Soviet legacy of nuclear power and nuclear waste in Eastern Europe. It goes into the Soviet breakup and what that meant in different parts of the world. Uh, good for some, like Lithuania, bad for others, like the states in Central Asia. I go on to talk about Russian spies from the Tsar to the Cheka to modern day. I talk about Lithuanian basketball, which is huge. I talk about culture and customs and stories of fictional characters living through history. But the key thing, Bonnie, is that my hero, Vit Partenkis, uh, created an AI program called Annie. And Annie helps, Annie calls the internet for information about people. And through databases, she cracks security systems because she learns from her mistakes. And she helps Vit uncover Russian propaganda and actions affecting Eastern Europe and the rest of the world. I did not know that, and I'm glad you said that. And speaking of AI, the reason you're everybody saying, why is a historical novelist on a show about visual art and AI? Ursula, I told you I was doing the show, and you said, I want to come on. Tell us very briefly, what's your link to this topic, Ursula? Go ahead. Well, I think um, the uh, graphically generated AI um, uh, images are going to make a huge impact, not only to the interior of books, making them more handcrafted novels, but to the book covers. I believe, you know, my, I'll talk about this in the predictions, Bonnie, yes. but I think that, you know, AI-generated graphics are going to spur such creative thought that we're actually going to see a new generation of book covers. Thank you. And that's why I invited Ursula, because she's a novelist who uses, who will be using AI, possibly, to represent what's inside her novel. So thank you very much for coming back, Ursula. And I love the hair, I have to say that. Beautiful. S.A. Grant, I just met you through Sandy, through a bio we met about, what, 12 and a half, 18 minutes ago. We'd love to hear about who you are, what you do, and what's your passion for this topic. S.A., welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I always start off these, these type of conversations by saying that I'm 50% analytical and 50% creative. I am split down the middle. Uh, my first degree was in graphic design, which obviously leads to this topic. And I was the weirdo amongst other weirdos. And then I said, okay, well, let me find out what I'm going to do next. And then I went and got another degree in um, web design and multimedia. September 11th happened. And then the school that I went to hired me as a full-time tech. And that's why I learned more about video and audio and engineering. And then I went on this journey for gathering information for like the next 18 years, went through a divorce, custody battle, got awarded primary full custody of my son. And in those 18 years, I was just essentially building a digital empire. And that's the way I looked at it. And I dibbled and dabbled in multiple different disciplines. I became an insurance agent. I got a series six, I became a travel agent because I was more so a avid learner of learning different principles and bringing them all into one cohesive brand and one business. Unfortunately, in 2018, I had a stroke and that was like my waking up moment to say, okay, I was doing something right and wrong at the same time. And I had to re-engineer what I was doing. And that's how I found the gift of podcasting. Um, when I look back at it, it took me about 18 months to make a full recovery. I created a podcast called Boston Cage. And that was like the, the waking moment for me, right? And now my podcast is ranked 0.5 globally. You know, we're syndicated to where we're getting like, you know, 20 to 
25,000 downloads every single month. And then from that, I led into more of taking what I originally learned and making it more into a brand and a growth strategy agency. With that, you know, we have multiple books. I've published 10 books, going to publish probably another three books this year. Um, in addition to that, I also have a Boston Cage Academy, and I'm a speaker on stages as well. But collectively, all together, what I really like about this topic is I'm in the digital space. I, I always say, like, I'm a digital nomad. I, if I could plug into a computer, I would be plugged in right now. So I definitely understand, like, the facets of what this new AI can do, what it's going to do, and likelihood of people, you know, adapting and using it should be more than less. SA, number one. I'm glad you recovered from your stroke. I'm happy you're here. But more important, do you ever sleep and what do you have for breakfast? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> breakfast is usually coffee for me and I sleep in a weird, my sleep patterns are weird. I usually wake up at 1.30 a.m. and then I go back to sleep around 6 o'clock then I wake up and 8 o'clock and then I work until about maybe 4 o'clock, take a nap till 6, wake up to 6 p.m. and go to bed at around 10 o'clock. I, I have a similar sleep pattern, but I have to stay away from caffeine. It's just deleterious to everything that I am. I can't, but you, I don't think you need the caffeine essay. I'm just going to go on record to say you, you don't need the caffeine. You're, you're all there above board. Thank you very much. Pleasure to meet you. And let's go on to another wonderful panelist. We've got Nikki Jurd, J-U-R-D, if you're looking her up. Nikki, please tell us who are you and what are you doing here? Welcome. Good morning. Thank you, everyone, for having me here. I own a website development company in Cairns, Australia. It's a, a part of the world that's very, very famous for the Great Barrier Reef, and it's a beautiful part of the world to live in. I started the company straight out of university, and I've got 21 on my team who make software, make websites, and it's a very geeky kind of a world in my orientation, and all of my staff are absolutely obsessed with AI. It's been a topic of conversation for a really long time. We all tinker with it in sometimes appropriate and sometimes inappropriate ways, but it's certainly a world that um, it surprises us every day in some new way, sometimes in human ways and sometimes in very inhuman ways. And so that's my connection to the topic. On the side, I absolutely love, like essay actually, to, to speak on tech topics. So I f find myself on stage a lot. I'm a very enthusiastic speaker, so I'm going to try and calm it down today. I don't want you to calm it down. I like enthusiasm. That's why <laughs> well, that's you're lovely. here. So don't. Please don't. Did you have coffee this morning, Nikki? Not yet. It's a little early for coffee for Nikki's. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Usually I start the coffee try about 10 a.m. Still well, one o'clock here. Yeah. We'll get there. Thank you very much. And last, of course, but not least on the panel is a newcomer as well, Morgan O'Donnell. Morgan, welcome. Let's hear about you. Great. Thank you. Well, I've done a little bit of everything. Um, I follow a similar path to SA and in many ways of dabbling in a variety of things. I started off my work uh, employment in the Army. I did motor vehicle operation, and then I was recruited into military intelligence. After I left the military, I spent the majority of my career in higher education. Again, did just a ton of things in higher education, uh, worked with graduate students, did recruitment, did marketing, outreach, all sorts of things. Um, and then after I left higher education, I started doing some nonprofit consulting 
my creative outlet during all this time was creative writing. I, I wrote poetry. I did uh, humor writing. I um, did some environmental uh, blogging and writing and was accepted into a couple different institutes for that. But when the pandemic hit, uh, my mother passed away and I found that my words were just frozen. Uh, I, I just could not find the words for anything. And so that's when I came into art as a way to process both the pandemic and my mother's uh, passing. And, and I just started experimenting with metal embossing, found object sculpture, paper mache, um, you know, really anything that kind of uh, caught my interest. And then in 2022, I was super fortunate to receive a city of Albuquerque UETF Resiliency Residency uh, for my proposal, the Menopause Art Project, which is how Sandy and I connected. So this past year, I've been working on that project, which uses art to raise awareness about menopause. Um, and I've, I've been interested in um, the technology aspect of AI as far as how it can help others that are interested in art, particularly people that may be experiencing some disabilities, how that might open paths for them to uh, use art for their own creativity, to use it as kind of a therapy, uh, and, and, and just to express themselves in a different way. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Yes, art art as therapy, art as... Um catharsis, right? I started painting quite by accident because I bought a $65 art kit at Michael's when I moved to Durham, North Carolina and stuck it in the closet for two years. And one day I said, what's this? Took it out and said, oh, it's got some brushes, some canvases. It's got watercolors. It's got chalk. It's got ink. It's got acrylics. I don't know. Put it back. Took it out again and said, well, that looks interesting. I read the little book and put it away again. And then I took it out again and I didn't stop. Morgan, I have probably over 250 pieces of art here in my house. I moved to Tennessee and a big part of the move was them packing up my paintings. But I graduated from, uh, from starting from watercolors and then collages, mixed media. And uh, I collect almost anything. The inside of certain types of cookie packages or products have wonderful foil lining that doesn't crinkle like tinfoil. That's great. And I went into uh, acrylics and then I learned to do paint pouring. And now I want to show you all. I don't usually do this on the show. I'm going to just get my notes out of the way if I can find it. I have a quick example of AI and real art, I'm going to call it, where what I started to do, I think you'll all get a kick out of this, is I go into one of, uh, somebody wrote an article recently on the 35, the 18 top free, not all though, uh, AI generative art programs, apps. And I went through every single one and I found a couple like Night Cafe that I liked where you get credits just for going on in the morning. And I said, design for me a person, a woman with red hair, no surprise, Nikki, right? Uh, who is just, I don't know, just modern. I gave it some text prompts. Let me share what happened. What I do is I take the, what I printed out on film, clear film. It's eight and a half by 11. It's the kind we used to use for slideshows or uh, AV projectors, if anybody remembers those days. It has ink on one side. I bought 12 by 12 white cardstock. 
I take the film and put it face down and I take a thin metal spatula and just rub it over the back and transfer the ink onto the cardstock. And then I do more with it. I take whatever's left over and make background out of it. And then I embellish it with jewelry or glitter or paints or something. So I want to show you one example. I don't want to derail us because we've got to get going, but I'm going to do a screen share here quickly and see if this will work. And share, and here we are. This is the image on the left. I'm going to make it bigger. And the image on the left is what I printed out on the film. Can you all see it here? This little one on mm -hmm. the left. This is what I did with it. I transferred her. I took parts of this background, this black image here on the right, whatever that was, and put it over here. And then I added, it looks like I added some, um, transferred some acrylics and I rubbed them in with my fingers. And then I added a little bit of ink. I emphasized her jawline. I put acrylic colors and pastel watercolors into her hair. These pieces here are actually silver. Uh, they're almost like sticks that I had in my collection of odds and ends. I blurred out her dress a little bit and just created a background. What do you think? S.A., do you like this? Yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely see it being used for uh, graphic design backgrounds with some text overlays as well. Yeah, that's and that's what I've started to do, and it's a lot of fun. Anybody have any comments? I'm not looking to be, to be graded here, but I just started this a couple of weeks ago, and it's a lot of fun to basically take these prints, lay them down, transfer them, and then do something with them. And I think mine has a lot of original elements that were not in this. It was it it doesn't look like this, but the shape of her face was beyond my drawing technique. Sandy, any comments? Oh wow, yes. That for me is absolutely where the magic lies with AI because I hate if we just rely solely on the AI, but when we add our extra human twist, that's the magic. And I just, I love looking at what you created and took it next level. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm going to stop sharing. Everybody see me now? Are we back on screen? Okay, good. I've never done that on a show before, but I, I just had fun sharing that. So let's go to the part of the show where I've asked each of my five special guests to send me a quote from a fictional character in a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that they will relate. Two minutes we're going to go because we have a lot to cover. Two minutes each. Uh, what does it have to do with our topic today? Sandy Davies, you have picked a quote from Colonel Hathi, the Indian elephant voiced by J. Pat O'Malley, the movie The Jungle Book, 1967 animated musical comedy film, and Hathi, H-A-T-H-I, with all kinds of marks over the letters, is the Hindi word for elephant. Hathi is a comically pompous elephant who styles himself after a British army colonel, referring to himself as Colonel Hathi, and leading his troop in a marching patrol around the jungle. But the other animals see him as obnoxious. So here's the quote Sandy has picked. Relate it to our art topic, Sandy. What? A female leading my herd? utterly preposterous. Sandy, go for it. Yes, I just, I loved this little excerpt from The Jungle Book because for me, it really brought home my biggest gripe, I suppose, with what we have happening with AI right now. We have an Australian journalist, Tracy Spicer, who is our Aussie equivalent, I guess, maybe of Barbara Walters in the US. And she's just done this amazing expose on AI in a book called Man Made. And I just, I love that she's singing my song because she has pointed out a lot of those gender and racial biases that have just not gotten inputted into, into the AI format. And that thing of, we have to bring all of that together, that quote from The Jungle Book, 
with Colonel Healthy. I just love it because his wife, Winifred, just calls him, a, I think it's an old windbag. He just has to get with the times. And that's the thing I guess I want to happen with AI. I want us to get more diverse data inputted into those algorithms so that it is reflective of all of us, of all ages, all genders, all backgrounds. And I think sometimes that tr top trickle-down effect doesn't really see everyone, just like Colonel Hothy. So we need more of Winifred contributing to AI. Thank you, Sandy. And I'm recalling that this topic came up. And the reason I asked you to assemble the panel, help me with this, is because you wanted AI to generate an image for menopausal women. And it was awful. It was, Ursula, you should have seen what Dolly did for Sandy. It was just, they, they were morose. They were downtrodden. They were saggy. They were not pretty. They were past their, can I say past their prime? Somebody got fired from a, from a TV hosting job for saying, they were awful. And they weren't vibrant. They weren't interesting. They were just, and Sandy said, what? This is, that's, that's why, where this whole topic came from. Thank you, Sandy, very much. Let's go to Ursula. Ursula has picked a quote, very iconic character, Jessica Rabbit, voiced by the one and only Kathleen Turner. If her voice gets any deeper, it's so resonant. Movie, who Framed Roger Rabbit, 1988 fantasy comedy film. Jessica Rabbit is the va-va-voom animated, speaking of, of wives in movies, animated wife of cartoon character Roger Rabbit, who was unjustly accused of murdering Marvin Acme, owner of Toontown. I have to tell you, Ursula, that in 2008, Jessica Rabbit was selected by Empire as one of the 100 greatest movie characters of all time. Despite being drawn as a classic femme fatale, one of the movie's strengths is to allow the character to play against the stereotype. And here's the quote Ursula has picked. Where did you all hear this one? I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. I hope I, that was more Mae West than, than Jessica Rabbit. Is anybody here old enough to know who Mae West was? I think Ursula probably maybe sand. Oh, Morgan does too. Nikki and Essay probably way too young. Ursula, rescue me here. Why'd you pick this quote? Well, Jessica, to me, um, of course, my world is books and, uh, you know, writing in the book industry, publishing industry, and Jessica is a lot of things. So as you said, Bonnie, she appears one way, but is actually something different. So instead of a sex pot, a vamp, you know, she's really a faithful and loving wife to scrawny Roger Rabbit, who's accused of murder, and it makes her interesting. So She's, I would imagine she was fun to write. She's certainly fun to watch. And at a glance, she tells us many things. And this is really relevant to the AI portion, I think. In a glance, um, her clothing, right? Strapless gown, which she wears night and day. Who doesn't? Um, her jewelry, <laughs> her hair indicate the time, which is a post-World War II era noir. She looks like she's fun. She looks so completely sexual that one wonders can a person possibly be that way although she's animated but she's my inspiration for writing because she's multi-dimensional it's interesting but in a glance she's also my trope for book covers because amazon you do a search on amazon or any of the catalogs barnes and noble kobo any of them they come back with tens page after page after page of thumbnail book covers and somehow your book uh, has to stand out. It has to blend in, but it also has to stand out. And Jessica does this. I mean, she lives in this animated world. She's noir. 
And yet she is extremely visible. She draws us in. She lures us in. She belongs in Toontown, but she also, you know, um, entices the observer's interest. We go in for a second look. So animated Jessica Rabbit is my inspiration, I am proud to say, for both my characters and book covers. I was not expecting from you, Ursula. I really wasn't. That's fascinating. Thank you. S.A. Grant, we're going to your quote here. You picked a quote from Wayman Wang, W-A-N-G, played by Ki Huey Kwan. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Movie that just took a whole bunch of awards, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, 2022 sci-fi action comedy. Wayman is the triagonist of the film. He's Evelyn's. Here we go with a husband and wife team again. What's going on here? Evelyn's meek, goofy, but affable husband who co-owns their laundromat. He loves Evelyn deeply, but he wants a divorce to force her to deal with their strained relationship. All kinds of layers to this movie. I haven't seen it yet. Here's the quote S.A. has picked. When I choose to see the good side of things, I'm not being naive. It is strategic and necessary. It's how I learn to survive through everything. S.A., relate this to our topic, please. I think that movie in itself, uh, there's so much symbolism in it, right? I mean, obviously, it's symbolized by everything bagel, and I look at that as a duality to where we are and what we're talking about, more so in the relative terms of Internet of Things, right? Which is including crypto, NFTs, M2M, blockchain, VR, and AI, but more so it kind of shows, like, how do you overcome the fear of something new? And that's what that movie really represents. And again, AI is a, people are scared of it. So if you look at overcoming the fear of it and embracing it, it's not more so about surviving, it's about overcoming those hurdles and then utilizing that to then grow and move forward. I like that. There's a lot of optimism in that essay. Thank you. By the way, essay, I wanted to tell you after you did your bio earlier, do you know what a Renaissance man is? Yes. Well, I'm, I'm dubbing you a Renaissance man because of everything you've accomplished, achieved, and everything you've tried. That's even more important than achievement. It's trying. It's saying, I'm going to get out of the box. I was drawn that way. Okay, that's what you could say. Let's go to Nikki Jurd before I get in trouble here. Nikki has selected a quote from, oh my goodness, a song sung by Dr. Frank N. Furter, played by Tim Curry, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, independent musical comedy horror film, 1975. It's a tribute to the sci-fi and horror B-movies from the 1930s to the 1960s. It's based on the 1973 musical stage, The Rocky Horror Show, with music, book, and lyrics by uh, Richard O'Brien. We're not going to go there, but I will tell you the quote. It's five words, Nikki. Sometimes the short ones are really the good ones here. Don't dream it. Be it. Nikki, what does this have to do with our topic, visual art and AI? Go ahead. Well, I must say, when I had to tell you a movie quote, I had just seen the stage show, and these words were still ringing in my head. I love how it really encapsulates the film's central message of self-expression and embracing one's desires and, of course, breaking free from social norms as well. I think in the context of AI, this quote can be interpreted in sort of a broader sense. AI, in particular, ChatGPT, has a potential to transcend its current capabilities and then bring around really significant advancements in lots of fields. Just dreaming about the possibilities of AI, you know, it actively encourages us to pursue those dreams and work towards them becoming a reality. And the B, it suggests, you know, we should all jump in and get involved. AI will become a lot more integrated into our lives. And it's important not just to understand those principles and capabilities, but also adopt maybe an ethical and responsible approach towards it. 
Thank you very, very much. I appreciate all of you doing the work for the quotes, and I am going to pick up. We're going into the predictions section. Sandy, I'm going to drop this in the chat. Ariselle, I picked one of your quotes and your predictions and put it in for Sandy, and she's saying, what? There we go. Sandy, you've got yours. So I'm picking. We'll get to yours in a minute, Ursula. Sandy says, prediction number one. Remember, if anybody wants to comment briefly, just wiggle one of your nice fingers at me, and I will see you. That's the beauty of Zoom. Sandy says, generative AI would add even more gravitas to Van Gogh's stubborn longing for human connection if he were alive today. This is interesting, Sandy. Talk to us. Yeah, well, the more I thought about AI and art, the more I thought about how I just go back to being one of those traditionalists a little bit and that I want it to wow us and give us magic but I want us to actually add that icing. And I, I feel like we still need the human spark of, of creativity and that unique human spark and, and even that human touch in a way that connects us. So I want it to be a base, but I want us to still bring that human touch into the final product. And, and I just, the more I think about AI, I can just almost feel this longing of, Van Gogh sitting in a cafe, doing his very early morning coffee, smoking his cigarettes, and just feeling empty and void if he was surrounded by solely screens and not the other creatives and artists of that generation. And I guess that just brings me to why I just, I love what's happening with AI and Nikki is the one who put me on to Dolly and absolutely blew my mind. And I was a little bit disappointed as we talked about with the negative connotations that AI produced around menopause. And that's why I like that extra human tweak as well, that then we can give it that more human form and, and bring that extra touch for me, that extra touch is bringing a bit more joy and life and radiance and resilience into the outcome. And Sandy, what that says to me is when we put in those text prompts, and I've had some of these free AI apps for generative art, and I've done maybe 15 or 16 or 17 until my quote-unquote free credits ran out, and I've seen the changes. I'll say a redhead speaking into a red microphone. It gives me a blonde speaking into a black microphone. I'll say, no, I want a redhead who's smiling with white teeth instead of no smile at all. And then it'll give me the redhead smiling, but it'll give me, instead of the black mic, it'll give me a, a gold-colored mic. And it just doesn't seem... So I'm wondering if you had put in different prompts around the word menopause, a happy woman going through menopause. I'm, did you try that, Sandy? I did. And I decided that I wasn't going to show the negative ones because I didn't want to focus on the negative. Go ahead. But this took me 36 attempts wow. to finally get a woman smiling, happy, and sharing joy in middle age. She is. It just took so much else. tweaking and removing menopause. Um, it was, but yeah, we got there, but it was just such a task because. The, the data that has been put in is just not focused on any of the, you know, yes. the thriving or the coming out of menopause to a second spring. It's focusing more on the negative. I think we can add the, the adjectives reiterative and repetitive generative art 
because we've all, everybody seems to be nodding here. Nikki, any quick comments on what Sandy said, if you were the one who turned her on to? Dali, any comments? Actually, I'm really impressed with Sandy's progress and what she's done with it. I think my introduction was just a cursory mention, so I'm really impressed with where you've gone with it. A little horrified, though, but it does show the impact of what that seed data is, and um, not just on menopause bias, but there's a lot of bias we're finding out there in the data that it's been fed. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Ursula, I put a prediction in for you. You mentioned this a little in your opening. So you said in 2021 on my show, Technology Revolution, you predicted a voice command app that would create book covers. And Ursula says today we're close. Tools such as Midjourney, Lexica, DALL-E, Crayon, Dream, Canva, and others can be used to make book covers. And you predict that in uh, that integrate reality with animation a la Who Framed Roger Abbott and offer new views of reality. Ursula, bail me out here. I'm not sure I read that rightly. Go ahead. No, I mean, that's exactly it, Bonnie. I think, you know, Roger Rabbit is an example, you know, the integration of two unexpected things that can lead to a very compelling book cover. Um, imagine a snail shaped as a car. I mean, that's very simplistic, but AI gets the ideas flowing. So I use the Canva AI capability to try to get ideas for my new book, Amber Exile, which is about a World War II, an elderly World War II refugee who puts some new information together and uh, realizes that she knows something so significant that she can actually affect the course of Russia's invasion into Ukraine. So these, um, the I, I put that basic description in, and I got two things back, which shook my world. One was the Brandenburg Gate, which symbolizes the fall of the Soviet Union. It symbolizes World War II. It symbolizes Berlin. It symbolizes so many things. A second image was the Brandenburg Gate crowded, uh, shrouded with red fog. And AI got me those images together and of course, the fog symbolizes Russia, the, the, uh, the, the obfuscation of Russian uh, propaganda, the red is Russia, you know, a symbol of Russia. So these ideas came out of the AI um, interface for Canva. And I frankly, my book cover artist and I would never have thought of this. They were great uh -huh. and interesting ideas. And I think that other people are going to have this same experience. It's just going to become... Book covers, um, you know, will just become, they're interesting now, but they're hard. They're still going to be hard. But the level of image, the level of integration of images, I think, is going to be very exciting. You'll still need a book cover artist, right? Positive, negative space, font appropriate to genre, sizing and placement of images, color for genre, et cetera, et cetera. The artist has to do that. But these images, I think, are just going to usher in a new generation of stunning book covers. Thank you. Interesting. Any Everybody's nodding. S.A., you want to make a comment? No, nah, I think she, she's definitely on to something. I mean, obviously, in the world of book creation right now, you know, you hire someone to design something or you kind of sketch something out. But ideally, if you could leverage AI to at least get the concept that you're looking for and like what you have done, Bonnie, is like you took that concept and then you made it into art and then you repurposed that art to then make a cover. So it's not just one step and done. It's multiple steps to get to the end product. Interesting. And it's an inspirational, too. As Ursula said, she and her human book cover artist wouldn't have thought of those. 
Ah, it's opening up a window or a door to other ways of thought. Morgan, you're nodding. Anything you want to add? I'll put pressure on you, but if you want to add anything here. Yeah, I just, I, I, I can definitely see that. Um, and like Ursula, I have been experimenting with the um, AI capabilities in Canva. And it is very interesting with some of the ideas that it throws out there uh, to, to kind of spur you to think in different ways. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to move on for no other comments. S.A., I picked your prediction number one. It's long, and I appreciate that. I'm going to read just a little bit. S.A. Grant says, in the years to come, AI will have a significant impact on the art industry, and that's what we're here to talk about. AI algorithms will be able to create art pieces that are, everybody wait for it, indistinguishable from those made by humans, leading to a shift in the traditional roles of artists and art enthusiasts. The result will be in a democratization of the art world. I'm going to stop there. S.A., take about two, three minutes and tell us more. This is fascinating. Yeah, it kind of goes back to what I said about the, the quote from everything, right? a bagel that has everything on it, you're not going to take the bagel and just eat the sesame seeds or eat the, like the items one by one, you eat them all together. So collectively, when people are doing these prompts for AI in today's world, they're doing, that's what they're doing. They're eating the sesame seeds. They're not thinking about the internet of things. So the way I do my prompts is, well, if I'm going to create an image, why would I start by writing my prompts myself versus leveraging AI, going into AI and prompting AI to then create me dozens of prompts and then run those prompts to create the images because essentially both platforms they know what each other's thinking they, they're on the same exact level they're on the same exact platforms so as a human trying to integrate into a computer language is a little bit more difficult so why don't i not use a computer to make that new language to then create the image and by doing that your results are 10 times better and you get to do it in less than like you said sandy 36 tries you get to do that in two three tries so it cuts down on that conversion time and by doing that, ideally, in the end result, you're going to have pieces of art that are going to look just like the real thing. And like, like the art that I did this morning for my LinkedIn post, I went through that same exact scenario. I said, okay, well, what would it look like if Basquiat did a rendition of Picasso? Ran that through, got a couple prompts, put them in, and then literally five minutes later, I had the exact image that I was looking for that is a hybrid variation of Basquiat and another artist combined together. S.A., do you happen to have that per, uh, that post available to share on your screen? Because I have sharing turned on. Maybe if not just convenient now, just give me a, a note in the chat. And I got I'll, it. Got it? You want to show it to yeah. us? I'd love to show it. Go ahead. There we go. Yes. Tell us what we're looking at. I see the logo for my show, Technology Revolution. What do we got here? So this is kind of like the representation I was talking about. I mean, this is Dolly original mm -hmm. image. This is Basquiat original image. And I said, okay, I want you to combine both these images and create something new. So you can see the elements of Dolly. You can see the elements of Basquiat. And this is a new image. And ideally, you can't tell if it's AI created or not, right? Another version of this one was Starry Night. Mm -hmm. This is Jackson Pollock. Now, Jackson Pollock is known for his stylistic drip, drippings. And uh, this one is known more for, for the brushstroke. So I was like, okay, what was that going to look like, the combination of the two? And this is what it generated. And again, you can't really tell it, what made what. And the last one, but not least is the hybrid between this um, piece and this Monet piece. And I was like, well, what, what would it look like if we combine both artists together to create a new piece? So you kind of see all the elements of the sad face, the hands, but they're more drawn in the Monet style versus being in the original style of the cubism. 
Fascinating. Thank you very much. If you want to stop sharing, we'll go back to the screen. Thank you, S.A. Anybody have comments on that? That was wonderful. I never thought of combining artists. Sandy, anything you want to say on that? Or Nikki, Morgan, anybody? I'm open. I do think it's fascinating. I love how it's evolved. I particularly like the second example that the resultant looks like a photo, a close-up photo of someone's canvas. And that one particularly looks like it, it would be difficult to distinguish as an AI piece. Yeah, very interesting. Ursula, you wanted to comment. I saw you. Go ahead. Yeah, what what you did, Bonnie, what Sandy did, what SA did, these are stunning images, and they're just aching to be pulled into mainstream. And it's stuff that we can do, you know, and I, I'm not a professional artist, but it's stuff, inspiration that, you know, we can bring forward, and it's, I, it's stunning. It, it is. It's. Can I use the word exciting? May I? <laughs> I think it's exciting. We're, we're saying, we've said, wow, but we haven't said we're excited by inspired, motivated, but it's exciting. We're seeing things we couldn't even imagine. I'm going to bring up Nikki's first prediction. It's your, first, it's your fourth prediction. Nikki, I put it in the chat for you. This is interesting because Nikki's taking the prediction in another direction. Everybody listen up. Nikki Jared says, handmade, boutique, human-created art will become significantly more valued. Nikki, take the contrary position. I like this. Or maybe this is an adding on additive good news position. Nikki, go ahead. Tell us. I think it is a good news position, but I think we instinctively are already there. And if you think of everyday items, like let's take um, maybe crockery, you know, the sorts of things that you find in your kitchen, and then the excitement and emotional connection you feel when a potter has created you something like that, the imperfection, that that tactile feel, I think that part is still so valuable to us. And we get quite excited by the story and the provenance of pieces. And well, in the world of AI, we're not going to have any of that provenance. It's just, oh yeah, what prompt did I use to get here? How did this evolve? And it's kind of a bit dull. So a great example, Bonnie, is the one that you brought up before, that very digital piece, and then mm-hmm. the piece where your hands have touched it. It's so much more interesting. It's got multi-dimension. It feels like there's some emotional connection to you as an artist. And so I think we are already in that boutique space that we value humans a lot more than we value things that are created on an industrial scale. Thank you. It was very kind of you, by the way. But you know what? It did. It it sparked all kinds of thoughts. First of all, I'm not an artist. I'm I'm an abstract artist. I don't do faces when I do them. They're kind of interesting, <laughs> weird. I've done some, but that's not my goal. My goal is just whatever I'm thinking and feeling. Sometimes I, I was doing essay. I was doing five paintings a weekend. I had this huge mm. kitchen in Durham with this great big counter right across from the kitchen sink. What a great place to use acrylics. So and when you're doing paint pouring acrylic, you paint with a water filled balloon, a little balloon. You press it in and get flowers. You paint with string that you dip in paint and you pull the string after and you get lilies. You paint with with, with chains, you paint with, you name it, just not brushes. It was very interesting. But uh, just thank you. Thank you. Let's go on. I'm not I... an artist. But funny, can I just take you on that for a second? I'm not an artist, something you just said there. In one of Essay's predictions, he says that art will be democratized. And that's exactly what we're seeing from you as well. Yeah. Someone who doesn't identify as an artist is creating things that brings joy to other people. And so I think maybe you are now thank you. an I artist. I call myself a dabbler. But what I want to say, I forgot my train, was that that woman's shape of the face, those angles, I could not have created that face in those proportions that way. 
That's what I was using as the core of my message in my version. I changed the hair. I changed the background. I changed the jewelry. I changed the bodice of her dress. But I could not have made those beautiful angles of her ears, her nose, her her cheekbones. That's what got me excited. I want to do something with that. So thank you, Nikki. I can be an artist today. Let's go to Morgan. Morgan, prediction number one. This is interesting. See, I try to pick a prediction from each of you that's different from what everybody else has said. So we get a real potpourri. We've only got seven minutes left. So yours will be the last one, Morgan. Then we'll have a closing. Morgan says, I believe we will see art marketed as made by a person, much like we see products with tags like made in the USA or made in New Mexico. True certification, New Mexico true certification process. Of course, this brings up questions such as even if a product is made in the USA, were the component parts also made in the USA? If not, does this still count? These types of questions will impact art. Would every piece and part of the human created art have to be totally human generated? to get certified as human made. This is a very complex topic. Morgan, go ahead, three minutes, talk. Yes, uh, well, it, you know, I think Nikki and I are kind of on that uh, same wavelength. And, and certainly we do see that right now with uh, a lot of things like Nikki mentioned. Uh, if you receive some pottery that is handmade, that it has a, a, a different feel and that you do hear the story about it. Um, and we see that, you know, again, like I said, with made in the USA or here in New Mexico, we have a New Mexico true certification process. Uh, but for me, those things then bring up those questions of where where do we draw that line? Um, and, you know, you, you, I think we want to be careful with where we're drawing that line. Right. Because, Bonnie, like with your art, uh, it it had a completely different feeling, the piece that you created, than the piece that inspired you, that you started with. Um, and, and so in my mind, the piece that you created is something different. Uh, but then how, how would we legislate this and how would we regulate it? Uh, where, you know, would we have to disclose, would you have to disclose that I started off with this? Um, and, but how much does that differ really than before AI ever came, right? Because as artists, we're always inspired by others' works. Um, and so if I say that I was inspired by Picasso, uh, does that mean that I am copying Picasso? Uh, you know, where do we draw that line? So I really think that these bring up lots of super interesting questions for us. Um, it, it will certainly bring up additional questions, which I know we didn't we didn't talk about here. But uh, if you've been reading the news, we're talking about copyright and intellectual yes. property, yep. and the story recently with Andy Warhol yes. and and the Prince art. And I think this is going to uh, really have us, we need to think carefully. We want to respect people's copyright. We want to re respect that intellectual property. And these are questions we're all going to have to discuss in how that, that works with AI. Absolutely correct. And on one of the shows I did, Ursula, I don't know if you were on that one, about the future of novelists, human and AI-generated text or pieces. Uh, the question was, 
could you give a copyright to a completely AI-generated novel? And the, que the legal question that I found online was that copyrights can only be given to a human being. So you'd have to find the person who created the algorithm for the AI that wrote the book. Or the AI would somehow have to give permission and grant it over to the human who massaged that text and made it into a book and published it under their name. Very, very complicated. I want to hold up one more. I found I did this one from a woman I found. Uh, this was a black and white image that I found, an uh, AI-generated image. And I took the transfer on film and made it on an angle. And then I added, you all know, red. Those are red and white balloons done with acrylic paint with my little balloon. And then I made her very thick hair. I overwhelmed her glasses with uh, black glitter. You can't see the shining. I gave her a necklace. I just took the straps of her dress and gave her a, almost a picture frame background with the red balloon art. See it? Just to give her, give her a, a place. This is nothing like what you, and I put some, some fake jewels. I have a whole palette of stick on little jewels in different shapes. And I gave her the blue eyes. What do you think? Like it? Interesting. She's very dramatic and very bold. That is her face. I embellished the lips with, with red. I think I used, I finger painted with dark red. And it was a lot of fun to do that. And one more I want to show you. Hold on. I wanted two little children in the rain. And I found, I generated in AI and with the umbrella. And then I took bits of what was left of the ink and made the corners on an angles with the shading that was left on the AI image. And you can see in here, there's a little bit of the shadow of what was left of the graphic on the film to create like other people in it. And then I embellished them. They have gold glitter on them. The umbrella has been painted in and the background has some turquoise paint on it. And I made the squiggles with glitter. Interesting. So I'm having, this is a whole new, whole new exploration for me. We have two minutes left. I want to know, anybody have any closing words? I can give you exactly one sentence each if you want to. Let's do one sentence around the table. Sandy, one sentence prediction about AI and art. Go. One sentence each. That's it. Fast. Beat, beat. It is going to create amazing collaborations between humans and tech. Love it. Uh, second, uh, Ursula. It's, um, we have issues, but I feel, I sense we're on the verge of something really, really big. Thank you. I'm going to add exciting. SA, prediction, one sentence. Just like AOL, again, AI is going to probably replace everything that we know that we love today. Whoa. Mm. Nikki Jurd, one sentence. I love this. We're going to see art move real time and adjust to our emotional state at that time. Morgan? AI is going to make us discuss and think about even deeper, what is creativity? Wow. Thank you. I don't usually do that at the end. I don't usually do a, a lightning round like that, although I threatened to do it in my promo. I want you all to put up, we, went, we talked about this, I want you to put up your no, no, no finger. Come on. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask the question. People say the future is already here. No, no, no. And we say one, two, three. No, 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 no. SA, come on. I want a little more oomph there. One, two, three. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Why? <laughs> because that was yesterday's future. Oh, that was the future before I finished that sentence. It's gone already. It's in the past. We're going to do our best artistically, creatively 
to make the future a better one. Bonnie D signing off. Don't go away, guests. We're going to talk. Everybody wave goodbye to LinkedIn. Wave goodbye to Facebook. Wave goodbye to Voice America Business and wave goodbye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.